It's time to take the quiz. Five questions, five minutes a day, five days a week. Take the quiz every weekday at thequiz.fox and then listen to the quiz podcast to find out how you did. Play, share, and of course, listen to the quiz at thequiz.fox. I'm Dana Perino, and this is Perino on Politics. We are less than a year away from the 2024 presidential election, and believe me, I am not going to let you forget it. As Republican candidates travel across the country in hopes of picking up new support, former President Trump has maintained his commanding lead in the primary and even increased it in a couple of places. Meantime, no happy birthday for the birthday boy. President Biden still struggling to convince voters that he is the one, that the country is in good shape. His support among key voting groups is going down, and that could hurt his reelection prospects. And despite the nearing election, many other potential candidates are considering a third-party bid. But the question remains, will voters have an open mind for a third-party disruptor? Will that even matter? Joining me today is someone who has extensive knowledge covering presidential campaigns. That means he's an older dude like me. We're the same age, I think. Um, And presidents, he's covered many of them. His name is Charlie Hurt. Charlie is a Fox News contributor. He's also the opinion editor of The Washington Times. And there he authors the Nuclear Option column, where he writes about media, national politics, and so much more. And Charlie, welcome to Perino on Politics. I'm so glad you're here. I am so glad to be here. We've known each other quite a while. Mm-hmm. Going back to the Bush years. Yeah, Bush White House years. Those are fun. Remember, you have a colleague. You have, is Steve Dynan still there? Oh, yes, Steve Dynan. Steve Dynan would make homemade Oreos yes, and would. bring them to the press office. Does he still do that? He doesn't, but that's because he has a daughter, mm-hmm. and he she eats uh, them. She <laughs> exactly, <laughs> but it was a it was a different time, of course, because that's where everything was done face to face, and uh, and 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 everything was done, you know, like you, you, everything wasn't like texted and emailed. Right. You had to you confronted people and you caught them in the hallway, and, and you also to like them. I. Yes, of course, there's an adversarial relationship between the press secretary and the press, but I got along with the reporters. Even if they drove me crazy, there was no hate there, right? You know, like we had some great times, all of us together, traveling around the world, getting to know each other, even and, if they drove me nuts. And that's the beauty of it, I would argue, is that and it's it's like, you know, every good system has an adversarial function to it. You know, the reason, you know, courts are adversarial, but you can, you, you because you have a responsibility to do the adversarial work and out of that comes something better. And, uh, but I think a lot of that is gone partly because of the, um, you know, the splintering of the media. It's, mm-hmm. it's a lot more, um, there's a lot more partisan. There are very few people who actually, and even, you know, you look at the New York Times and the Washington Post today, they are, you know, only fan pages for liberals. Mm-hmm. They don't even attempt to be, down the middle, uh, you know, the Washington Times. We still have a news section. We work very, very hard to to you know to to you know be as adversarial, no matter whether we're covering right. Democrats or Republicans. Yeah. Right. I have a funny story about the Washington Times, which I will tell here because here's the thing: we're going to talk about politics, of course. Um, but here's the bottom line: on the Republican race, there's nothing really new from last week. Last week on Monday, when we did Perino on politics, Tim Scott had dropped out of the race the di- night before. Haley and DeSantis are fighting over who's going to get those voters. Haley seems to be getting some of the, at least the donors, maybe also some of the voters. Meantime, Trump's lead 
is what it is. And it continues in some places. It's even stronger. He picked up the endorsement of Governor Abbott of Texas yesterday. So President Trump kind of goes from strength to strength. He's ignoring the candidates for the most part. I mean, he really goes after DeSantis. And that has been tough for DeSantis to deal with in a way. But DeSantis is saying, I'm going to win in Iowa. Um, So we're going to talk about that in a moment. But I want to ask you about covering presidential races in the world of technology. In your mind, how can you possibly cover this race if you don't leave your house, if yeah. you don't go to the places, if you're not talking to the candidates in person, if you're not there and have a feel for it? Because I'm assuming that for you, that doesn't make any sense to you. Like, how would you possibly be able to cover a race in that way? And also, the most important aspect of that is if you're not around like normal voters who you, not that you are like ideologically aligned with. If anything, you want to be around voters you're not ideologically. Do you think that's a problem? With. I think it's a problem for Biden that he's never around the oh, voters. I think it's, oh, I think it's a terrible problem for. Oh, definitely for Joe Biden. I mean, he, but, he wasn't. He wasn't in 2020 either because of the basement campaign. Yeah. But now he's not because he's 81 years old today. Yeah. Happy birthday, Mr. President. <laughs> but. All these polls say everyone thinks you're too old. And Jim Messina, who is an amazing guy, I'm going to have him on this podcast. He is a Democrat, worked for Obama. He's a great political mind. He tweeted over the weekend, oh, these polls, don't worry about it. Everything's going to be fine. These are just snapshots in time. And Nick Cohn of The New York Times said, yeah, but the big issue is that it's his age. And a year from now, he's just going to be a year older. So uh, two, two things. One is, you know, in terms of the media, I think that the, the biggest problem is when the media itself isn't exposed to, to voters and you end up focusing on stupid stuff. Did you laugh the, after the 2020, 2020 election? The mainstream media had to go out and do all the articles again about yeah, how they missed the Trump to, voter. Right. Like, how did we get this wrong again? It was like yeah. you did it in 2016. You did it in 2020. And I would argue that the person who broke them was actually Obama. And because if you, you know, they fell in love with Obama and they, and they, he did, he could do no wrong. Mm. And that this was after, you know, eight years of Bush and then they get into bed with Obama and they just give up any pretense of trying to cover <laughs> Remember, him. Remember like the question at, at one of the Obama press conferences was what enchants you most about <laughs> being here at the White House? And I was like, wow, if we could have ever gotten a question like that. Yeah, exactly. But then, um. Uh, but then, you know, in terms of uh, Biden, you know, the, it's this is su- the, the reason that if you can take your opponent's greatest asset and turn it into a weakness, that's how politics are usually won. That's how campaigns are won. Joe Biden's greatest asset has always been his experience. Um, I think it's unfair, and I think that it's a misreading of his experience. I think his experience shows him to be uh, not somebody you want in the White House, but that's not certainly not how he got vice president. And it's not how we won in 2020 was w- by arguing that, you know, his experience. Now his experience is turning against him. He's 81 years old. They can't even talk about the fact that he's 81 years old. And you look at what experience gets you. It gets you two new wars. It gets you a disaster in Afghanistan, the rise of Hamas, an open border, a terrible economy. And all of these things that come with experience are, are turning against him. Right. That's a disaster for a politician. And in addition to that, today, the State Department releases an inspector general report that says, oh, all of those mistakes in Afghanistan, 
the State Department, Inspector General, is laying them directly at the White House's feet. And they refuse to acknowledge their role in it and refuse to uh, accept any responsibility for people. uh, Americans will forgive just about anything, anyone for just about anything. Mm -hmm. But if you refuse to accept responsibility and say, "Okay, we got this wrong. We're going to do this. And I get it. You don't want to take responsibility for that one. You know, that's so true. That was even true of Bibi Netanyahu in Israel most recently. Yeah. So there was a yeah. lot of frustration with him that he had not said, I missed it Right on October 7th. My fault. I'm going to fix it. But yeah, I, I get it. I missed it. So it w- was about five weeks into it that he finally said that. And as soon as he did, that criticism goes away. Right. And, and, and I actually sort of misread this in 2020. I thought that uh, the mistakes that were made during COVID would be forget- you know, like like Trump made mistakes during COVID. If he had asked for forgiveness for them, I, I, I just assumed that people would forgive him for it. And I think that they would have if they had handled it. But, of course, at that point, you have the media against you. It was it was so relentlessly unfair. And they were mm-hmm. trying to – they were literally putting death counts, like, mm-hmm. with an arrow saying, Trump killed these people. And it's, it's kind of hard to – even if you are willing to take responsibility for mistakes, it's kind of hard to come back from that. Yeah, I agree. Um, just on politics here – Third party. Were you a reporter in 1992? No, no I was too young. I, yeah, I was. Yeah, uh, I was not. Quite, you were observing the politics. You were not quite reporting. I was doing. On I was work. I was working summer jobs as a reporter, uh, learning how to spell people, get spell people's names right. I love that. So, but in your studies, okay. So, is there anything that we can learn in this moment about the 1992 race in which you did have a third party enter, Ross Perot? And there will be people who say, Ross Perot was not the reason George H.W. Bush lost. But there are people, you can argue it both ways, I guess. I mean, I believe that, yeah, it's most likely an incumbent usually wins. If you take 19% away from the vote, that's probably going to hurt the incumbent. Do you think the country right now is ready for a third party? Could a third party actually work? Two things. One is um, Ross Perot is why... Uh, Bill Clinton never got over 50% of the vote. Right. He won both times with under 50, 50% mm-hmm. of the vote. That's a pretty significant True. thing. Um, uh, uh, I do think that America is probably ready for a third party, and that third party is called Donald Trump. And that's what he did in 2016. Because it's not really the Republican Party it, of he, old. The first thing that Donald Trump did was he came along and he, like, attacked the Republican Party yeah. and went after the Republican Party yeah. and then remade it in his image. And, mm-hmm. and I get it. A lot of people recoil at his personality. But in terms of issues and stuff like that, I mm-hmm. think he's he, he's done a lot of good things. And I think that – so I, I think that, yeah – People are ready for a third way, a third option, but that third option is Donald Trump, and he has done a good job of sort of corralling not just the really disaffected voters, including Democrats, um, especially on the border, uh, but also, uh, but also, uh, you know, enough of the, you know, he has put up accomplish accomplishments for Republicans that that previous we couldn't even right. have dreamed of. One of the key voting groups that Biden is losing with is younger people. How and amazing is that? They're really upset. I think mostly it does have to do with the economy. They can't buy a house. They can, like yeah. they have three jobs. Like they, they, they can't see a way to get ahead. But more recently, it's his support for Israel. Yeah. And I don't think that means they're going to say, fine, then I'll vote for Trump. But if they stay home or they don't vote or they say, let me throw my vote to Jill Stein, then yeah. it could hurt Biden in a oh, close election. 
Absolutely. And of course, there, you know, Jill Stein, you know, those candidates are going to be an option for those voters and it'll be absolutely devastating. But, you know, Democrats have no one but themselves to blame for this. When you run a political party entirely on identity politics, what you wind up with are protests in the streets with pro-Palestinians versus pro Israel mm-hmm. camps, and it's a nasty way to do to do politics. We should we should elevate our politics above that. It's disgusting, but and Democrats have played into this. You know, they they have mastered it, and they've played into it for for years because it's very effective. So interesting. Okay. Getting people to hate one another is very easy. Well, and, and right on and on pol- in politics right now, there's people called um, a category of people called the double haters. Yeah. People who hate Biden and hate Trump. Yeah. And then the pollsters are trying to figure out who will they ultimately vote for. And that, um, as Kirsten Solti-Sanderson told me at one point, she said, hate is a powerful motivator in politics. Yeah. Unfortunately. Yeah. And, and yeah. No, it, it's, it's, uh, and there's a reason that we try to, you know, we, you know, the whole concept of having a, a you know, a, a um, representative republic is that you elect people who revise and enlarge sort of the public right. opinion. And that's not what we're doing right now. All right. Before we wrap up this segment, I've got a candidate quotable. I'm going to read this statement and then after the break, By we'll quotable, tell you who do said you mean it. quiz? It's not, not yet. You're going to pop have, quiz. There's a quiz later. I hate pop. Okay. Okay, which presidential candidate is responsible for the following statement? Any foreign student on a visa who's making common cause with Hamas, I'd cancel the visa and I'd send them home. We'll have that answer coming up. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, subscribe and listen to the Trey Gowdy Podcast. Former federal prosecutor and four-term U.S. congressman from South Carolina brings you a -a one-of-a-kind podcast. Subscribe and listen now by going to foxnewspodcasts.com. We are back with Perino on politics. Charlie, I want to discuss the issues driving the campaign because the thing that I think is quite amazing is that in all of these opinion polls, you see inflation, crime as the top two issues, right? And then the border is usually in there somewhere. Partly that's in regards to public safety and immigration leads to the wage issue and things like that. But the Democrats, they seem to just ignore all those issues. It's the weirdest thing to me. Like every indication, not just a Fox poll, all the indicators are these are the issues people care about the most and they act like it's not happening. And I think that kind of largely goes back to this whole idea of identity politics. They have been so successful for so long by just talking about identity, which identity politics is fear politics. It's it's politics of division and fear. And it is very effective. But it's also very, it's mostly effective, A, if you have the media on your side and not calling you out for playing these games. Uh, but it's also uh, more effective if there aren't real problems facing people. Because, you know, obviously, if you're having, if you can't afford... Uh, your, you know, your mortgage rates have gone through the roof or you can't afford um, your, you know, credit card bills because the uh, interest rates have gone up so high. Um, that, or that, because you're putting food on your credit card bill. Yes. <laughs> and suddenly that will break through in a weird way, can break through some of the fear. You also have a lot of people now that are taking money out of their retirement accounts in order to pay bills. You have young people, of which you have three of them. They're a little bit young to be buying houses right now, but you know the housing market, that shelter is costing people upwards of 50% of their income, and it should be the rule of thumb is like 30%. If I had to buy a house now, 
I don't. I mean, I look at this. I don't know. I, I don't know how I would do it. You take a kid that's just starting out with their first job, making you know thirty thousand, forty thousand dollars a year. That is like so below the poverty line. Yeah. There's also an issue that I brought up in the debate that I don't think is getting enough attention, and it's something that's hurting people all across the country, young people, and it's the childcare issue. Yeah. There is a lack of childcare. There's a lack of good childcare. And there's the COVID money really helped plus up the budgets of a lot of childcare, both both like the in-home childcare and your fancier childcare centers. And that money went away the day after the debate. That I think it was like that Saturday after yeah. the debate. It was over. So you can't keep up on the salary. So now parents are having to make a decision. Does it make sense for me to continue to work? Because the cost of the care is so expensive. Yeah, and 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 that's what I, you know. Earlier we were talking about you know people being insulated from like normal voters. Yes, that's where you know why why isn't that a, a huge political story? That's a much I don't know. It's a gigantic story. story. It affects yeah. every Republican and Democrat, every single mom, every everyone of all colors. It is a huge problem, and we need we want people to fulfill their dreams, right? Pursuit of happiness, have the career that you want. That could include staying home with the children. But if you're being forced to make a decision because the taxes that you pay are so yeah. high by the time you pay out, and then their childcare gives you an, an extra 40 minutes on your commute, yeah, why would you do it? Yeah. So, I, yeah, that is a huge problem. I think when I did the debate, what I walked away with was this country has so many problems. Yeah. Yeah, and, and it was and, quite and we're not, overwhelming. And 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 politicians aren't really talking about them. Yeah. Um, I, I would argue that you know one of Trump's gifts is that he does he likes to talk as a problem solver. He kind of runs as a mayor, and it's it. And a lot of people either think it's parochial and don't like it, or a lot of like conservatives get a little nervous because he'll say, "I'm going to fix this problem," and conservatives are saying, "Well, that's not your job," and so they get a little mm-hmm. nervous about that stuff. Uh, but it, it's it, but that's what voters are looking for. They're looking for somebody who is talking about solving real problems, and you know, some transgender whatever thing is not a problem that affects their daily right. life. Are Republicans missing issues and failing to address issues as well? I think less so, and and uh, less so because of what the reorientation that you know. If you if you put uh, say Donald Trump and uh, uh, Ron DeSantis voters together, if you compile them all together, that's a massive, massive section of Republican voters today. And the, in terms of the issues, there's very little daylight between the two of them. Right. They, it's just personality. And it is a complete rewriting. And, and the, the best example to me is like we're talking about the border. The border is something that was it was a very difficult issue for Republicans for a very long time. I remember it well. Yeah. yeah. And and the, and what Donald Trump proved was that you could run a campaign on the border and win. And he stole Democrat voters in doing it. Um, but but then, um, you know, I, you know, obviously that is one of those uh, realignments that I think puts Republicans in a very, very, you know, the biggest problem for Republicans with that agenda is that a lot of people just don't like Donald Trump. Right. But I think that but I think that that is a, I mean, obviously. That's a solvable problem. I would say, like, from my perspective, I do think the Republicans don't talk enough about what they would do for, like, helping people, well, get the inflation rate down, yeah. right? Part of it is that you have to cut spending. Well, if you cut spending, that means you're going to cut something. What are you cutting, 
right? And they want to do that. They'll say, well, we'll cut this or that. And then there's always an argument against that. But I don't think they're talking enough about the younger people. In fact, Josh Holmes and I talked about this last Monday. This is a theme that keeps coming up on this podcast about younger people and what the, what they are facing. We know that none of these guys are going to cut Social Security. They've yeah. already said, okay, so that set that aside. Then so what are we doing to help these younger people get a leg up? Because I feel like we're making them run this marathon of life with 20 pound weights on their ankles. And when you, and, and when those people feel hopeless, um, that you can't have a country if the, yeah. the, you know, th- those people feel like they don't have a shot at the American dream. Um, and no, I, I agree with you. It, it is, it's a real, that is a, it's a real problem. So we do a lot of problems here. We don't do a ton <laughs> of like solving of them. Maybe that'll be the next podcast. No. Okay. That wraps up this segment before we head to our next one. Here's the answer to your candidate quotable. Any foreign student on a visa who's making common cause with Hamas, I'd cancel the visa and I'd send them home. Yes, Florida Governor Ron DeSantis. We'll have more Perino on politics coming up. Welcome back to Perino on politics. Charlie, I wanted to ask you just like, what's on your mind? Like when you wake up in the morning and you're reading the papers and things, like what do you think about all day? Because you're always thinking, you're always reading. Well, when I'm at home, I'm usually thinking about the horses or the, uh, you know, fun things like that. That's good. That's good. And Louie. And Louie, who has the hiccups. I don't understand this. Oh, I've dogs never, get hiccups, yeah. I've never had a dog no, get When Percy was a puppy, he had hiccups all the time. Yeah. It's really funny. And then really? you try to do things Did like, you can't it? give him a spoonful of sugar. No. Or, and you can't scare them. Yeah, he outgrew it. Yes. He did? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, yeah. that's, uh, I'm, I'm hopeful then. Um, but no, I, I guess, you know, for me, the biggest thing is, is uh, in terms of, you know, in terms of politics, seeing where the, you know, the, I, I think the next year is going to be probably the most, you know, everybody says, oh, this is the most important election, whatever, maybe it is, maybe it is, I have no idea. It is going to be the most fascinating yeah. uh, election we've ever seen. And uh, seeing, you know, you have both sides where it looks like we know where it's going, but we really have no idea. Yeah. Where it's going. Well, it does feel like we could just like write the story today. Like, I feel like I could write November 6th, yeah. 2024 story today. In a way, I feel like I could. But All right. The- so this is the, this is the really cynical me and I'm, I'm, I hesitate, <laughs> okay. hesitant, hesitant to even mention it, but it, no one has ever gone out of business being cynical in Washington. It's like the one thing you can always rely on. And so the cynical part of me looks at the situation with Joe Biden and Democrats and wonders if there aren't a lot of Democrats sitting there going, you know what? This guy's a disaster. We make so much money off of Donald Trump. Do we really want him to go away? And win in 2028. And this is the, the mistake they make, though. They say, "Okay, let's just let the monster back in the White House. We'll make so much money off of this guy. We'll raise like unending amounts of money off. And they will. And then, and then, but what, here's the mistake they make. They think that after four years of Trump policies that the Republican Party will be finished for a generation. I disagree. I think if you had four years of Trump policies and then, then the orange monster goes away, I think Republicans yeah. are... So two things on that. I am living for the 2028 election. <laughs> and I'll tell you Survive why. until 28? Because I've never... Well, well, maybe that's not true. Never. But... On November 6th, which will be the day after the election next year, the primary opens up for both parties. Oh, that's and right. it's a race. Oh, wow. So, oh, I yes, 2024 is very interesting yeah. to me. But the race yeah. for 2028 is super interesting as well. Do you yeah. think America's polarization 
and this actually shows up in polls too about things people care about a lot. They're really worried about it. That polarization in America is something that can be reduced. Um, I think that uh, honestly, I, I I I place so much of our blame of the blame for our current situation on the media. I think that the media does so much incredible damage. And we have seen it, and, and we started seeing it with the Obama years. They surrendered any pretense of, like, holding this guy's feet to the fire. Um, there's no—a a normal media would not have—he uh, he would not have gotten reelected with a normal media that was, like, question, you know, honestly asking questions about Obamacare. People—Obamacare really hurt a lot of people. It's still an issue. Yeah. And, and um, it was—and it, it didn't live up to its promises in any way. And he got a complete pass on that. Um, although it is more popular than it's ever been today. Yeah. Uh, although, the, it, but there are winners and losers. 100%. And, like, and the losers right. are still, it's a... It just is kind of a proof that once a program gets started in Washington... Oh, that's true. And people start to get used to it, then it's hard to ever take them away. Yeah. Um, but then, and then, and then, of course, we've seen it more even on, you know, on steroids over with their hysteria about Trump, their, 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 their this visceral hatred of Trump, where they are, you know, wildly unfair, but also um, they make stuff up all the time. And we have seen that for years. And, and I, th- that, that is not constructive. What's constructive is, you know, if I'm, if I'm against Obama and I want to run a campaign against Obama, I'm going to stop and say, what is it people see about this guy? What is it? I, you try to understand where voters come. I mean, that doesn't happen in our in, in in our media. Nobody is trying to understand what the voters of our opponents are interested in. Well, actually, but they're normal people. They're not, mm-hmm. you know, they're not monsters. Also, they, the media seems. I listen to NPR's up first every morning, uh-huh. just to see what's going on. Yeah. A friend of mine said, you realize you don't have to listen to that, right? <laughs> but I, don't know how I like to see what's going on. And they seem just so perplexed that Trump goes from strength to strength, even yeah. though there are 99 counts against him. And they always make this point as if they if they keep saying that, all of a sudden Republicans are going to say, you know what? You're right. We're out. Yeah. We're going to go with somebody else. And that's not happening. It seems to drive the Democrats and the media a little crazy. Well, and, and again, it's, the, it's this refusal to try to understand what people you know, if, if, and, and, and this is at the end of the day, it comes down to this. I, I, I would like to see the sort of ideological fights collapse and have the sort of the practical stuff, mm-hmm. the rise of sort of practical solutions. And, you know, whatever you think of the current set, you know, most of the big mistakes Joe Biden has made, he has made from an ideological standpoint. They are ideologically rigid. Um, and that long term is there's no hope for that it doesn't yeah. work it doesn't solve problems my last question do you consider yourself an optimist a pessimist or a pragmatist i'd love uh what a friend of mine who served in afghanistan once told me because i i, I do get i care a lot about this stuff I, I love this country i care so much about this country um i think that and, and i do believe that we are the last great hope for civilization and, um, you know, the things that the founders thought of, they thought of all of this stuff and the checks and balances they mm-hmm. put in place are the most extraordinary thing uh, imaginable. And, I, and, it, and it deeply wounds me to think that my children might not grow up in the country that, that we should be and, and could be. 
Um, and so, but I, I remember talking to a friend of mine who also is concerned about all this stuff and he was injured in Afghanistan. And I was like, so how do you, and, and he's always so eternally optimistic. I'm like, how do you remain optimistic? Why are you, you're always so sunny. You got, you, you have these grievous wounds. You'll have the rest of your life. And he was like, he was like, he just looked at me like I was an idiot. And he was like, optimistic, pessimistic. What are you talking about? We have a duty. We have a duty. We have to do this. Mm -hmm. Now, you can be miserable doing it or you can be happy doing it. I choose to be happy doing it. But we don't have – it's not optimism or pessimism. It's responsibility. It's duty. We have a duty. Mm -hmm. And so I I've, I'm, I, I try to be – Try to I'm be a, like that. I, I try to be dutiful. We had a wonderful World War II vet win a Patriot Award last week in mm -hmm. Nashville. He's in his mid-90s. And he said, what do I attribute my longevity to? <laughs> and he said, my advice to you is love your life yeah. yeah, and be joyful every day. God didn't promise you tomorrow. Yeah. Be happy. And it was, a, it was a good reminder. And it's great to have you on the show. Thank you. Thank you. But before I let you go, there is this quiz. Okay, okay but it's super easy. You get to choose between three categories, candidate LinkedIn, campaign slogans, or presidential potpourri. Um, I'll go with the second one. Slogans. The first one, I didn't even know what that was. LinkedIn? Yeah, but basically it's about their... Um, their work history. I'm not on LinkedIn. Me neither, really. Although I think I have an account. Anyway, <laughs> campaign slogans. This time, vote like your whole world depended on it. Was it A, Richard Nixon, B, Pete Buttigieg, or C, Bernie Sanders? Wow. Uh, I'm going to fail at all of these. Um, I'm going to say Richard Nixon. You're right. Okay. Vote like your whole world depended on it. Actually... Any of the candidates right now could oh. say that because the whole world is depending on it. Yeah, but the only reason I picked that is because it's it's actually a pretty good slogan, and I can't imagine Pete Buttigieg coming up with a good slogan. Or Bernie Sanders. I don't know. Bernie Sanders could come up with a good Mayor slogan. Mayor Pete but... did a, uh, a press conference today to talk about Thanksgiving yeah. travel, and, and like, yeah, he's on top he's of gonna, it. Yeah. And the whole time he's reading, is like, if your flight is canceled. Actually, what I'm doing now is more enthusiastic than he was. Yeah, indeed. Hey, happy Thanksgiving to you and, and you. yours. Thanks. Thanks for doing this. Happy Great. Thanksgiving, everyone. Listen ad-free with a Fox News Podcast Plus subscription on Apple Podcasts. And Amazon Prime members can listen to this show ad-free on the Amazon Music app. From the Fox News Podcasts Network, in these ever-changing times, you can rely on Fox News for hourly updates for the very latest news and information on your time. Listen and download now at foxnewspodcast.com or wherever you get your favorite podcasts.